and I have to resist the lie that I will tell myself is that I don't have time for something that I know is good. And the reason I'm choosing not to do it, whether I want to believe it or not, is because I'm not convinced it's going to pay off. Welcome back to the Deeper Still podcast. Deeper Still is more than a podcast. It is a monthly worship gathering that meets every last Monday of the month around the Chicagoland area. I'm your host, Daniel Acevedo. Joined with me today is... Jack Fitzmorris. Jack Fitzmorris. There's our producer, Gabe. Gabe, how's it going? Doing all right. Glad you're here with us. Glad to be here. <laughs> Jack, how are you feeling today? Uh, I'm good, man. Just... No one cares. Okay. No, <laughs> Moving on. I'm sorry. I thought this was a Christian. <laughs> you thought wrong. No, I'm kidding. Uh, yeah, no, I'm good. Celebrated my birthday yesterday, and birthday. it was like a huge Corona outbreak. Oh, yep. All at the same time. So now you know, I want to. I want to ask a question. Is your birthday directly related to Corona? I don't want to confirm anything. I can't. I cannot confirm or deny. I've always thought that I've always wanted something special to happen on my birthday, but who knew it was going to be a a worldwide pandemic. Hey, Jack, we got you something for your birthday. What? Stay in the house and use lots and lots of hand sanitizer. Which is a great reminder to wash your hands, sanitize, shower if you don't already shower. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. Say. If you, Especially if you're not showering, now's a good time to start, I'd say. <laughs> How are you, Dan? I, you know, you know what? I'm doing, I'm doing fine. My best friend had a birthday yesterday. I wonder who that is. And it was not you. Oh. Uh, it was a better friend, who I love dearly, uh, super godly <laughs> dude, uh, and I was really glad to hang out with him and his family. So I'm gonna go see them later today. <laughs> uh, I can't, can't even believe you said that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was fun. Anyways, the reason that we're here, oh boy. The real matters. Yes. The reason I say, oh boy, for the listener is I have a battery pack currently sitting on my shoulder to power my headphones. It, it works like a parrot for a pirate. Anyways. Show him grace. Uh, yeah, please. Um, the reason that we're here, um, obviously to talk through worship and how that looks depending on uh, each person and our guest today to discuss that topic is my dad, the pastor of New Life Community Church Norwich, uh, small group leader. Got any other attributes, Dan, you want to? He is, I'd like to say he's also my father. Um, <laughs> he's, he's not. We, sh- <laughs> we share DNA. I'm certain of it. No. I'm the only son. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the only way we're going to be able to settle this is a fight to the death. (laughs) What is this, Hamilton? Goodness gracious. (laughs) No, but he's uh, pastor of New Life Community Church Norwich, small group leader, self-proclaimed doctor. Reverend pastor, father. (laughs) Thomas Fitzmorris. Thomas Fitzmorris. Good to have you on the podcast, Dad. Welcome. How do you feel, Tom? I feel uh, honored to be sitting here. Well, there you have it, folks. You know what? You guys yeah. can just refer to me as your eminence. That's, that's good. I think that should cover My that. liege. I have word. <laughs> no, it's it's really exciting to have you here, Tom. Um, you've been, uh, uh, in a lot of ways, like a mentor to me, and I know you don't always like to be referred to as that, but, um, you know, having you as a, um, as a, not just a small group leader, but even a youth leader, uh, back in my teenage days, I, I really got to say, I, I, I thank God for uh, the impact that you've had in my life. I, I truly mean that. Um, and I think all glory to God, first and foremost, and I got to say that up front, but I'm grateful for the people that he's used, and I'd say you are one of them. Uh, yeah. and, I, and part of the reason I'm here today is is because of the influence you've had on my life. So thank you so much, well, Tom. I appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, Daniel. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dad, uh, one of the things we um, we just kind of want to learn a little bit more about you. So, as I said earlier, you're the pastor of New Life Community Church Norwich. Woot woot representation. Mm-hmm. Um, but is that all that you do? Uh, do you have another job? Yeah, um, I do have uh, another job. I work for the city of Chicago, uh, the Department of Street Operations. 
Uh, I've had that job for probably 21, almost 22 years. Jeez. Wow. So a little after Jack was born. Yeah. yeah. So you've been you've been driving though for for most of your life. Then you've been driving for the city or and like the airport, correct? Yep. Yeah. So uh, my dad's bivocational. He's not just a driver by night. Oh, that's another thing. He worked third shift as well. So uh, driver third shift for the city, but he's also the pastor full time for New Life Norwich. Dad, would you mind sharing for the listener just your testimony, how you came to know Christ? Oh. Um, I'm going to have to condense that a little bit. Um, I, I had, um, um, a really very solid family. Um, we were, um, a family of, of six, uh, lived on the West side, uh, an Irish Catholic. My father was a, a very, uh, stable, moral, and a good man. My mother was a good mother. I had every reason to, um, go down good paths. I just, for some reason, like to gravitate toward <clears throat> not good paths. So I started to pursue, um, you know, using alcohol and drugs from about the age of 12 years old. Um, and I would say probably by the age of 22, I was uh, a full addict and I continued in that lifestyle f- till I was 31. What? So, that's a long time, right? To like be, to be living in that in that pattern and in that life. And I guess the the big question is, how did you come to know Christ? Like, where? How did that even happen? Uh, well, you know, one of the things uh, that I I believe God has shown me about sin is um, God's standard for right living is not a capricious matter it's not you know like he's impulsive or willy-nilly or he says one thing to one person and then at another time he changes his mind uh there's a reason uh he talks about sin and he's so opposed to sin because it it, it's a a bringer of destruction and and because i lived that for quite some time my destruction was inevitable and that's what happened i uh reached the end of my road and um it was either make drastic decisions or lose my wife and my you know one-year-old son who's sitting next to me right now wow praise god and you know i think that's i think that's a good point right like recognizing oh man i'm a sinner and i'm in need of God's grace. And I think that's the big thing, right? Is that if God, if it's just, well, I'm not that bad, well then what do you really need? What, how is Jesus your savior? How is he your Lord? Um, but I think it's taking me to that point of saying, no, it's it's not just me. It's like, we, we are wicked. And I know a lot of people don't like to go there. A lot of people don't like to say that. Um, it seems politically incorrect these days to say, no, we're all sinners. We're all deeply depraved. We're all deeply wicked. And it seemed like for you, you didn't have to search very hard. You recognize it. He's like, I, I am, and I need, I need the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Yeah. So, so Dad, oh, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, you know, it, it didn't quite happen like that. I, I want to say that the eye-opening uh, happens uh, in God's time. You mm-hmm. know, when I had come out of the, uh, the addiction, I didn't know really the, the extent of my problem. I really didn't. I just simply thought if I could just distance myself from the certain behaviors, everything was going to be okay Mm. until uh, I separated myself from the alcohol and the cocaine and the marijuana and everything that went with it. I realized that there was something way worse with me. Um, And it was because of God's using um, grace in another friend of mine's life who was ministering to me at the time. Uh, that I started to to see things that I'd never seen before. So, so Dad, just in conversations that we've had um, that you've shared with Daniel and myself outside of the podcast, obviously, you you keep mentioning a life changers, life changers, right? Uh, no, it was a promise keeper. There you go. Yeah. Uh, do you want to kind of describe the van ride yeah. up and then what happened there? Oh man, um, I was um, trying to find ways out from going to this event, uh, but my friend Bob was determined. Um, his life, um, if I was crazy, 
before Christ, he was crazy on steroids. Uh, he was a uh, very, you know, I couldn't even have him around my brothers. They threatened to throw him in a van and throw him into the river one time um, when we it's were the most at, logical at an thing event. To do. Yes. So um, I tried to get out from behind it. My wife, uh, God bless her, didn't know what to think because it was still so very new and she already thought I was a little bit nuts to begin with. So uh, I tried to get out of it, couldn't get out of it, finally made the decision to go to Promise Keepers and it was in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It was uh, September 28th. Uh, I remember the date and weekend quite well. And we got in a van and everybody was uh, guys that I had known. And even if I didn't know them, I kind of knew their story because we all had similar stories, you know, guys who were trying to get out of reckless and destructive lifestyles. And I thought, wow, this is a pretty cool group. Um, until I got in the van and uh, they had put me in the back row of the van. Uh, it was a 15 passenger van and I was kind of like landlocked in. <laughs> and then they went from hard rock music, which I was comfortable with, uh, to praise and worship. <laughs> Uh, music and I thought honestly that I was kidnapped by a cult. <laughs> I'm just like these are Jesus fanatics and they're going to shave my head. <laughs> and um, as we were going up there, I just kept listening and getting more nervous and listening and getting more nervous. And finally, before we came to the event, um, as we were parking, I go, "Listen, fellas, I go, I don't want to let your, you know." hopes down but I mean I'm cool with the idea of Jesus I have no problem with Jesus and going to church I, I really don't but as for this thing I just can't see me ever doing that and uh, they just looked at me with this kind of like silence and they said hey man you know we're just glad you're here so it kind of put me at ease and uh, this guy Mike who we used to call the fireball <laughs> uh, he why. said before we go in there's prayer tents let's pray and we did. And I said, Lord, I, I don't know what to pray. Because honestly, I had never prayed prior to that point. And uh, I just spoke uh, to the Lord. And I said, hey, if there's anything you want me to know, please, please do so. And uh, went in that night. Uh, we got in for the final speaker. It was Cla uh, Crawford Loritz. And um, he spoke about hidden sin. And... Um, we were in the very, very top of the, the Bradley Center, and uh, I can remember it as if it were literally yesterday. Um, and I felt as though he was uncovering every sin and degradation that I had done to myself. Um, and um, I didn't know what to do with it. I, you know, I just kind of, was had stunned silence i remember it and then uh at the end of his message he said forgiveness is available to all who want forgiveness and um i thought to myself yeah it sounds great but there was something deep in me that thought well you you really don't deserve forgiveness uh, tom you've done quite a few bad things um and i was determined not to go down and i kept saying in my uh inner voice you're not going down you're not going down you're not going down and my friend bob looked at me and he said are you going down and i go no and as i said that i got up and i ran toward the floor i remember it and uh, i uh, i was uh, quite agile i remember myself being quite agile jumping over uh, chairs to get down there and running downstairs. And then I look back and there was eight guys chasing me down there like I had stolen someone's wallet. <laughs> and uh, when we got to the floor, I uh, just, because it was loaded, the floor itself was loaded. There must have been probably 20,000, 20 to 30,000 men there at the event. And there had to be at least seven to 10,000 men on the floor. Wow. And, um, you know, I had preconceived notions of who men were and what they looked like that went to church, and none of these guys fit that bill. And uh, I uh, didn't really even know why I had this emotional release, but I did. I I cried f 
for quite some time, I can remember, uh, fairly uncontrollably. And I couldn't pray. I couldn't say anything. Uh, I just kept crying. And uh, that night, uh, we went back to this seedy hotel that we had all uh, procured for the night. And um, we, instead of going to sleep, we started to open up the Bible, uh, to which I had tried to pray prior to um, that event. There was about 60 days that I was, you know, you know, working on my sobriety, and I kept trying to do anything I could to get my mind off my uh, uh, temptation to go back. And I would read the scripture, and I remember thinking to myself, man, I can't understand one word. I couldn't understand one word of it. And I thought, man, this is crazy. And um, that night, as we opened up the scripture, I read and understood for the first time the scriptures that I was reading. And uh, they burned themselves into my brain from that day forward. It's the best way I can explain it. So, Man, I um, I think one of the things that... It- as I was just listening that I'm really encouraged by is that uh, this was all a process, right? And it wasn't wasn't something that just kind of happened so quickly like you were saying. And there was a lot of resistance there. And uh, and it was just kind of like little walls being broken down little by little until you find yourself at this place like, why am I even here? What's going on? Have I been kidnapped? And uh, and, I, and I think one of the big takeaways is that, is that you had, like you said, you had this notion of, what church people look like and then all of a sudden you saw different people at this church different kinds of people different kinds of men at this church and then you hear this statement you know forgiveness can be offered to those who want to be forgiven and it's like all of a sudden it's like whoa this god this forgiveness transcends any notions i had of a stereotype of church people per se this 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 is this is the god of the universe like this God is offering me forgiveness, and I don't, I don't feel like I fit the bill of church people, but this God is offering to forgive me. And man, that's awesome. And, and I, I, I wanna ask, how would you say your life is different now prior to that encounter with Christ? Well, you know, I, I wanna say that um, I came uh, to the Lord, or when he found me, uh, I was incredibly broken, uh, emotionally, psychologically. I was exceptionally broken. Um, and it has uh, been 20, 20 years, 21 years of following him. And, and uh, I want to say that my sanctification or, or the process that he's taking me um, to become more Christ-like has been... Um, steady through the entire time but there's been some times where i've had incredible movement and then sometimes where it seems like i'm really stagnated or it's very slow uh it's been piecemeal at points i've i've seen that god works on um currently he's working on um what i say and how i say things because i'm quick to respond and i realize that even if i quickly respond with the truth, but I, but I present the truth in the wrong way. I've already lost the, the purpose for which I'm going to respond. So he's teaching me currently, and I, I sense it happening daily to where I don't, I, I don't say what's going on in my mind, which prior to recently never ever happened in my life. Yeah, I, I just wanted to make one quick point, and then I want to turn it over to Jack, because I think he's got something he wants to say or ask. But I think that's a clear sign of the Holy Spirit doing the work in somebody. Whereas before, there was probably no care. Like, you'd say what you were going to say, and that's it, right? It's like, oh, that's how I felt. That's what I was going to say. Um, maybe sometimes you said something that you feel bad about later, but now it seems like, no, like, God's making me mindful of how I treat other people. And there was a time I only cared about myself. I, I think that's a clear sign of, of the Holy Spirit doing that sanctifying work in the heart of a believer. And that's awesome to hear. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, and I think it's very encouraging as well, not to say um, that people were better off, but it's cool to hear you say that you came from a place of absolute brokenness. And not, not to say that you're like, oh, I'm 100% healed, 
but to say that God really has changed me, that he hasn't uh, abandoned you, that he hasn't given up on you. I think that's, uh, that's a true testimony. And every time you say that to me, as we talk, it always does encourage me because it reminds me like, wow, God, God is faithful. God is faithful. Um, just, he doesn't abandon. He doesn't leave when we act too difficult. I also think of too, just when you were talking about the scripture reading and how you never understood it immediately, immediately made me think of Philip in the Ethiopian when the guy's reading the scroll and just can't understand. And very similar to you, in fact, where all of a sudden Philip gets this amazing agility that previous, I mean, I don't know if Philip is like a parkour expert previous to, you know. Or he like, was at that moment. <laughs> yeah. Got, Chasing down chariots. Yeah, exactly. And he chases him down and explains what's going on. And, and the guy has uh, changed forever. He's He understands and um, there's a meet, there's salvation, there's forgiveness given so much so that the guy's like, let me jump in the water right now. I want to get baptized. What's stopping me? Yeah. So I think that's really cool to see in your life. But I want to kind of change gears um, to ask you a few questions. So dad, obviously you, you've been to deeper stills before, um, in case, well, the listener may not know this, but my dad's been involved with deeper still for a while. He's kindly allowed Norwich to be the hosting place for Norwich at least, or for deeper still at least once a year. Well, ever since ever since Norwich has opened, but has always been a big proponent of it, always pushed it, always encouraged people to come. Um, so we've really appreciated your support in that. But Dad, would you mind explaining for us what is worship and why does God command it in Scripture? Uh, well, worship is, uh, in my opinion, um, I was asked uh, um, earlier this year, I was asked to do a... Um, a survey for uh, New Life Church through the pastors. Uh, what were some of the things that I thought about various issues? And one of the things that they asked me, what is uh, one thing that encourages you about New Life? And uh, immediately, my, my answer was immediate. I said, they have this ability to always bring me back to the greatest purpose of life. Um, they always remind me of what's most important. And um, worship is, it is what is most important. Um, when uh, I uh, was resistant of God, I recognized that God demonstrated his worthiness and his, his, his glory and his magnificence in his unstoppability in my life. Yeah. He didn't twist my arm, he didn't brainwash me, he didn't force my hand. He opened my eyes in a way to see him in, in a way that I had never seen him before with a brain that could comprehend what I, could, what I was being shown. And the only logical response was to give him praise and I realized that Praise, just like Paul said, is not a matter of 30 minutes um, or an album. It might not even be a song. It's, it's a determined lifestyle mm. uh, that happens throughout your entire life. I want to follow that up by saying, and this question comes because I'm sure you've all been here, but I've talked to a lot of different people um, who, you know, typically non-believers and... They'll, they'll ask the question, why does God command worship? What is he insecure? Is he, you know, is, and they kind of assault the character of God as if somehow he's can't be loving or he's not good if he's just, you know, sitting up in heaven so insecure of himself that he's demanding everyone to worship him. And we see in scripture that there is a command to worship God. It's all throughout the Bible. And, uh, and so I'd love to hear your thoughts. Why, why does God command worship? In my opinion, um, God would not be defined as good if he did not command that the man he created in his image worship him. Mm. Because as I see God, as revealed in scripture, he is the ultimate good. He's not just an actor of goodness, right. or he doesn't do just acts of goodness. He is goodness itself. He is not just beautiful. He is is beauty 
And it would be a crime for him to not share his glory with those who are made in his image. We could no longer call him good. So worship, although it is a command for him because he deserves worship, the one who has benefited most by it is me. I'm the one who's benefited Mm -hmm. most by it. Yeah. I think that's a fantastic point because... I think it's easy to disassociate it and seem like, well, I just have to do it to be obedient. And part of it is obedience. But the point you're making is that if God truly is the greatest good, and if he truly is loving, and if he's perfect, then he wants his creation to know the greatest good. And if he's it, it's not selfish or insecurity for him to say, no, come to me. I'm I'm the greatest good you're ever gonna get, right? Like in the in the Incredibles, <laughs> when the wife's like, "I'm the greatest," you know. But in a in a non-human way, essentially, that's what it is. I, I am, like you said, goodness itself. If I truly do love you, yeah. why would I want you to go anywhere else that's to good. find this? That's good. Oh, no, that makes sense. Yeah, and I think on top of that as well is when we do, there's a there's a direct result to us, right? We we get robbed essentially because like you were saying he's the greatest he's the greatest good he's the greatest good so therefore if i go to anything else thinking this is the greatest good where do i where do i land where does that where does that end it it ends in destruction it ends in disappointment it ends in um a lack of hope or anything like that and i just think man it's it's so amazing to think that God is the ultimate good. He deserves our praise. And cra- crazy enough, it benefits us. It It's almost too good of a deal, really, when you think about it. it it's too good of a deal. Yeah. Um, kind of following off that line um, and just continuing this, because I really want to just dive deep into what the Bible calls as worship and, and, and kind of how we understand it through both Old and New Testament, right? And so I would love to just ask, is there a difference between worship in the Old Covenant, which is to say the, the Old Testament, uh, and the New Covenant, or is there any similarity between the two, given that God is a God who does not change? I, I, I believe that uh, there were many who uh, worshipped God in the Old Covenant, but there was still a veil that was over their eyes. So even though they sought to worship God, um, because of the imperfection of humanity, because of the, the condition, I think, of our fallenness, uh, we have a tendency to kind of to twist it, manipulate it, or pollute it in some way to benefit us more than it should. So it's, um, uh, it's biased. So in the, in the Old Testament, in, in the Old Covenant, uh, although they worshiped God uh, and they worshiped the correct God and they had a proper understanding of who God was, they didn't have the ability to see him with with unveiled eyes because the Messiah simply had not come yet. But to those who saw the law uh, for uh, the purpose that which it was given, to see the glory of God, to like David said, he's like, man, when I look at your law, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, you know, I could see how anyone who lives by your law, man, they are benefited in many ways. Oh, that my ways would be steadfast. He's he's even talking about, in my opinion, his inability to give it the attention that it deserves, but he sees all the benefit of it. Um Yeah, they 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 could see that, but they understood that there was still this thing that they were unable to achieve or or they were unable to grasp and they looked for the day that God would solve the problem. Mm -hmm. And that's why, in my opinion, uh, um, I'm not an Old Testament scholar, uh, but God had given them the sacrifice system, the sacrificial system, Mm -hmm. so that it could cover over all those inferiorities, all those weaknesses, all those things that were lacking. And that was a reminder that God was working toward an ultimate solution. So they could see the glory of God. 
They understood that God had given them a temporary means to overcome or to cover over. But one day there would be no more need for that and he would solve the problem. So they were worshiping sort of in advance. They were looking in advance. But now for us, we see everything in its completion. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't have to guess. Yeah. We have the completeness of God's revelation before us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I, I think that one of the best examples of that is in the scriptures, one of my favorite scriptures is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where Paul talks about this veil that has been removed. And now we're able to come into the glory of God. And this glory, because it is a heat and a weight, it has the ability to transform us. And I think to myself, Tim Keller, who's uh, been so so influential in teaching me uh, through the radio ministries and yeah. through many of the podcasts and things that he's done, um, he talked about how the law, if it's improperly used, even in a New Testament believer of Christ, if it's used without this glory, without the full knowledge, the, the full unveiling to us, that the law will become like a stamp. And our hearts, unless it's melted, the stamp can only make a superficial imprint. But yet, if, 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 if the, the glory, as we come into the presence of the God, the glory of God shines upon that hardness of our heart, it melts us and then the law actually is, is a, it's, it's a tool to kind of reform who we are is that does that make sense yeah yeah and i think i think there's a lot that we can ask questions about yeah. in there and there's some there's a couple of things in particular i want to go back to and then there's some things there that i, I actually want to um come back to in a little bit because i want to explore that idea of worshiping god's worshiping god Oof, blasphemy uh worshiping god uh through proper knowledge right um but just even continuing that line of uh the sacrifice and we see that as early as genesis 3 right sin was committed rebellion was committed and god provides the sacrifice they tried to offer something god was like don't don't do it's not enough you got to be covered by the blood and then he sacrifices uh, an animal on their behalf and then when when the law that continued uh, this offering of sacrifices that you were talking about and so um in a lot of ways you explained it, but I also, I, I want to just kind of hone in on it. What would be the big difference between the sacrifices that were offered in the Old Testament and then obviously in the New Testament, that sacrifice being Christ? What is that, what is that ultimate difference between uh, these continual sacrifices and then now this sacrifice of Jesus? They were shadows in the Old Testament. They were right. shadows. Jesus is existent. I, uh, let me ask this. What could the old sacrifices not accomplish that Jesus now accomplishes, if that helps clarify? Well, my for point. one thing, the sacrifices had to be continual. Mm -hmm. So if I made a sacrifice for uh, a particularly bad month, mm -hmm. the next month, if I'm going to truly deal honestly with the law, I'm going to have to then do another self-examination, realizing, wait a minute, maybe I've made some in, uh, you know, improvements in some areas, but there's other areas that I've really fallen short in. So I have to continue to bring the sacrifice. I have to continue to do this work over and over and over. It's a never-ending, always act. But now in Christ, we're, we're told clearly in Hebrews that it is a one-time perfect act. We're told in Romans that he lives to make intercessions on our behalf. He stands at this place between us uh, and a holy God making intercession, drawing us to this throne of grace. I know it's all imagery, but it's a one and done right. thing. It's a perfect offering. So what does that look like in the courtroom of heaven then when we're accused well, you know, doing. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, the best way I can explain it. And, and Tim Keller, once again, what a gifted, gifted teacher. And one of the things that I um, pray for is the ability to, uh, to deal with complicated issues. When, when you're dealing with the glory of God, the person of God, this is, 
These are not small, shallow topics. These are huge topics. Um, But he talked about this. When he was younger, because he did go to church, he said, um, where uh, it says in this scripture where, um, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Um, And then it goes on to say, uh, for all things are worked together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. he used to think this. Well, yes, that's true. Um, I believe Jesus purchased for me forgiveness, but the way he saw it in his mind was this. In the courtroom of heaven, I would sin. Now, I imagine this, he's probably 14 years old at the time. Now, we know what uh, 14-year-old guys do. They make mistakes. They make mistakes with their eyes, their mouths, their uh, thoughts. They, they make mistakes all over the place. And some of those mistakes are even repetitive. They're very, very entrenched. And he imagined that even though there was no condemnation, eventually Jesus would no longer be able to sway the Father to forgive us. So it's almost as if every time that he committed this sin, that Jesus would have to stand up and then speak to the Father and say, well, Father, just just give him one more chance. I know he's a knucklehead and I know he's made this mistake. But you know what though, that's, you know, just give him that one more, just for me, do it for me. And he always worried that one day those breaks were gonna end. The second chances were gonna come to an end. And Jesus was no longer gonna be able to convince the Father to have mercy on us. But that's not what's told to us in the scripture. Mm. It's Jesus, when sin is brought before the throne of God and an accusation is made against us, and it's a very serious and true accusation. Did you just hear what Tom Fitzmaurice said? Did you just see what he did? Did you just see how he acted? You know, that's a very serious, it's, it's, a, it's an actual crime that has been committed. When the, the, the crime has been presented to God, is if Satan were saying, hey, I'm demanding justice here. Jesus then stands up and says, I've paid for that crime. So therefore, in a legal sense, the judge can no longer hold me for a sentence that has already been paid. So there's no end to the mercy that I've been given in Christ. And this is why our worship should be off the chart. Because this this grace that has been given to us, and, and he shows his grace to us in far more ways than forgiveness, but the, the commitment of forgiveness that has been given to us, uh, the perfection of his offering made on our behalf should cause us to really, truly invest heavily in a lifestyle of worship. Yeah, if I could ask, even kind of expanding on that, because I agree, when you understand that fact, the correct, the correct, I guess, attitude, the correct response is not one of like, oh, cool. You know what I mean? And there's nothing more disheartening when you, know, <laughs> you share a message like that, as again, as we're looking through scripture, where that fact is shared and people are like, cool. You know what I mean? It's just super disheartening. Man, when I want to hear that, when you when you explain that, and I, I see that it's, there's that idea of I need to give everything for that. So kind of expanding on worship, because there's the song aspect, but there's more to that. The, the question is, in your opinion, is there a difference between worshiping on Sunday morning and worshiping at your job? Um, yeah, uh, w- without a doubt, there should be. Uh, the same spirit is there. The same passion is there. Um, but I don't believe uh, that you're going to worship uh, the same at your job on Monday as you do in uh, the number of the saints on Sunday. There is a unity that should be embraced. There's this celebration that should be embraced on a Sunday morning where literally it overflows. It's like a pinnacle. It's like a pinnacle for your week. Yeah. But I think the the worship that goes on during the week is a worship of uh, of pressing in toward a greater and greater surrender pressing in toward a greater and greater willingness to 
to see the glory of God, which takes effort. You know, one of the things that's really discouraging to me is how many Christians refuse, refuse to open up their Bibles. And I understand why. We are uh, in a technically savvy age. Uh, We have been uh, weaned on videos and uh, other tools to learn. And, And I'm an audible learner by nature. So I learn by great teachers orating to me. But when I read the scripture, something happens to where I have to activate a part of my brain that I normally don't activate. And I'm able to engage and have an intimacy with God that I didn't have before. So it's almost like this. I've been married to my wife for 26 years. The best, best human being I know on the earth. And I have grown to know her. Uh, don't be upset about that, Jack. <laughs> she gave birth to you, son. Um, you owe her your life, boy. <laughs> but when I see another aspect of her generosity or her kindness, what it does for me is it draws me nearer to her. My, my level of devotion for her enhances because I think to myself, what a good thing she is in my life. Hmm. And prior to my relationship with Christ and growing in Christ, I saw every relationship in one way. What do they bring to me? How do they benefit me? How do they meet my needs? But now, because I see this thing that she does, how she pours out her commitment and her faithfulness to me, I then develop the same thing in reciprocation. And that's what happens when I read the scripture. You know, for the first three years of my uh, salvific life, I, I read the gospels over and over and over to the point to where I could almost see how things were going down in the stories. Sure. I could almost imagine how the voices sounded. Like to this day, one of my favorite stories is Jesus meeting this woman at Sychar in Samaria. I can almost hear the sarcasm in this woman's voice. I can almost taste her cynicism and her hurt. And I can see how Jesus, unaffected by it, presses in past her aggressive defense to get near her so that she has no other option but to surrender. And I'm like, my God, this is, this, this Jesus is, he's the greatest savior a person could ever have. If I could just ask one more question on that to dig even deeper. We've said it before, and I think it's pretty common, that from a worship leading perspective or whatever you're doing uh, to give glory to God, you can't take people to a place you haven't been spiritually. You, you, you just, you can't, you can't have intimate moments in worship, in the music portion of worship or in the teaching portion of worship or the shepherding portion of worship if you yourself haven't been there. And I think that the scripture only enhances that. So in your opinion, based off of what you said, would you say it is absolutely necessary for someone, in order for someone to have a real intimate relationship with the Lord that they need to be studying and reading scripture? Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I know there's going to be varying degrees. I understand that. I, I understand that there's going to be varying degrees of being able to concentrate, being able to understand, sure. Uh, but every Christian should embrace the scripture. I mean, they should, and and by embracing it, you what you have then is I can move beyond my subjective ideas about who God is, mm-hmm. and I can hear His voice. I can see. I can study. I can go beyond and really dig in for those nuggets of of gold and silver that are deeply embedded in the text. And I can know for concrete certainty of who God is. Therefore, when I hear things that I'm, I, I it's, it's, and, and listen, I, I don't want to sound um, prideful, but I, 
I can hear error almost immediately. I, I can, even if I can't detect it right away, there's something that, that alerts me to error about who God is and what the work of salvation is. Because you're spending time with him and you're getting to know him through his word. I think that's the big point, yeah, right? That's, that's being correct. made yeah. is that, is that if you were going back to the wife example, if you were to, uh, say, Hey honey, let's go on a big date and you have this whole big plan, right? And you, you spent no time with her the month prior. Let's just say no time with her at all. You just, let's, we're just going to go on this amazing, awesome date. And it's going to be great. And you plan this whole thing. And then you get there and you realize she doesn't like any of it. The whole thing, the whole idea that you planned, the whole, the whole restaurant you picked, all of it, it, it was her it's something she's allergic to or her least favorite kind of food. I don't know. Maybe she had a bad experience there before. The waiters are bad or I don't know. It was a movie that was like, no, this isn't a movie that I, and why? Because you didn't take time to get to know what she likes, what she desires, what would be pleasing. Now, if you go to a movie, you'll know, I'm not going to go to this movie. <laughs> Tracy wouldn't like it. Like sure. <laughs> she wouldn't enjoy this. I want to, if I want to spend time with my wife and we want to go see a movie, I want to go see a movie that she's going to enjoy. And, and part of what you're saying in worship is that how can I worship God properly if I spend zero time throughout the week getting to know him intimately, but I, I come on a Sunday morning expecting kind of a big event and somehow I'm supposed to give him the most pleasing offering but I don't know what it is he's asking or desires you know even uh, going to that illustration that you used um, and, and I do I try to seek those opportunities where I bring my wife somewhere she's going to appreciate somewhere where she's going to feel special but the object for me is not to bring her and watch a movie with her although I can enjoy the movie with her right. my goal is to enjoy her company exactly and uh and i just think to myself that i want to feel the pleasure of christ i want to feel his embrace i i, I want to know that i am pleasing to him and um and you know i i you know, one of the things that scripture does for me more than anything else is it alerts me to my own um, inner twisting and my inner rot. And it reveals to me where my heart is so prone to go in the wrong direction and yeah. to want the wrong things, even if I say I want the right things. Yeah. And um, man, I just uh, never, I have never ever met anyone like uh, the person of Christ Jesus ever it, it changes it from I have to do things to I want to do things you know what I mean it even going back to that example which by the way I've never done this before hi mom boom did it oh you know how, you know how you people always do that she? no she's not Tracy here but, <laughs> you know how they okay on the radio with like, yeah. a through the window <laughs> exactly in the tv broadcast so boom, i'll, got I'll do done. next episode so i'll say hi to my mom perfect <laughs> um, <laughs> no but even going back to that example uh, mom loves flowers and so your response changes from going well i have to get flowers to no i want to get flowers oh i have to spend time oh what a drag it's it's like no I, I want to and i think it's pretty clear in your life that you've demonstrated to me and just yeah as i feel the same way as i read scripture and dan i'm sure you could attest to this as well there's that desire of like i, I it's almost like you have to go get more you want more yeah i absolutely. want to dedicate more time if i'm at five minutes and I'm just really seeing God's power just to like, just start off, man, around five minutes. And I want to stay another five more minutes. Yeah. You know well, what I mean? I'll tell you what, Jack, because the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. Right. And you first start coming into contact with something that seems really awesome. And you're like, oh man, this is, this is great. And at f first face value, you're just thinking, well, this is, this is as good as it's going to get, I suppose. And then you find out it's like a, triple decker layer cake or something like oh it's yeah. pretty amazing on the outside and you cut into it and you're like oh my gosh there's another layer of this and then you cut into that and you're like 
there's more layers. And I think that's, uh, in a kind of funny way, that's, that's what it's like with a relationship, but especially with Christ. I, I see him at one point and I think, this is amazing. But then he shows me something more and I continue to get to know him through scripture. And I go, oh my gosh, why, why would I want to settle for just this when I can continue to, I've, I've got the whole thing here. <laughs> he's, he's offering himself, not just, not just a little bit, he's offering him. And it's like, why would I want to stop with just this little piece when I could keep going further? Yeah, absolutely. I would, I would agree. And so dad, I think to say that, as we mentioned earlier, you're bivocational. You, you work for the city third shift. Mm-hmm. Um, it's straining physically, and then when you wake up, <laughs> you're pastor by day. So you're meeting with people. You're, uh, you obviously, you have our family. You're a pastor, so you're responsible for a lot of people. So I think to, it's pretty clear like to say that you're busy is a bit of an understatement. Where do you find it easiest to worship God throughout your day, work included, and where do you find it most difficult? Um, you know, I've, I've been, uh, um, I guess they call it lead pastor at Norwich now for about a year and a half. Um, and I'm going to be honest. Um, uh, you can, you can uh, pursue God's calling in your life. You can give yourself over to ministry. Uh, and you can still isolate yourself from the Lord. I mean, the church in Ephesus is a perfect example uh, how Jesus commended them for all the good works and their steadfastness uh, in keeping the false teachers out. He said, but this one thing I have against you, uh, you have forgotten your first love. And um, I can tell you the truth, it has been a bit of a struggle because of the um, mental exhaustion for me to what I would say, quote unquote, give devotionals to the Lord. It seems to be much of my scripture reading is preparing for Tuesday night's Bible study, or uh, I meet with another brother and we're going through Peter. And um, and then of course, I, I do at least an hour uh, daily or or at least three three times at the least three times during Monday uh, through Monday through Friday mm-hmm. to produce my sermon but I'm going to be honest um, uh, I have had a struggle with that uh, but yet I can hear um, his urging constantly um, because nights, uh, are really quiet. Yeah. Uh, I have nothing but time to think. And um, sometimes my prayers are super uh, impactual and intimate with the Lord, and sometimes uh, they're not. Um, he's sustaining me, and uh, not to mention he's warning me. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of warnings uh, to not allow my heart to be resistant to his call. Um, and But I, I have, by grace, been able to sustain. Man. Would you, oh, I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. yeah, I just wanted to say one point because I, I, uh, I know we're running out of time here. Oh, yeah. Um, but I, I just wanted to say, just even as you were just sharing kind of some of those thoughts right there, I, I was thinking, and obviously I know most of our listeners weren't there on Tuesday, but... When we were talking on Tuesday and you were talking about finding your rest in Jesus. And um, and I think that's a really important thing because you're right. We can get so busy with, oh, I've got to do a podcast or I've got to lead a uh, young adults group. I got to lead, you know, and I'm just talking about myself, right? Like it can be so easy to say, I got to fill my mind, my days with things that are good. These are good things but not taking that rest in Christ and saying, man, if I try to keep doing this in my own strength, I'm going to, I'm not, I'm going to fail. Like, cause it wasn't meant for me to do in my own strength, you know? And, and I didn't write this gospel anyway. So what, what, what good does it to try to make it look like I'm doing it all by myself, but finding that rest and saying, man, God, like not only do I need you, I want you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's pretty apparent too that, worship for you and maybe you can confirm this and speak to this has come not so much from you 
you know, as you're driving the streets at night, sweeping or street sweeping, you know, breaking out a Bible as you're driving at the same time, trying to juggle both. But rather, it's come from prayer and listening to sermons and meditating on God's word. Correct? Uh, yeah. I've, uh, at, at a period of my life, I would large period of my my life with Christ is it's been nothing but sermons. I would listen to sermons sometimes eight hours a day. Wow. Uh, various teachers I can remember. Wow. Yeah. Well, Dad, That's is there? Goal. Is yeah, absolutely. I think I think it's helped you study because yeah. you never went to seminary, um, and and here you are as a pastor, and I think it's really helped you grow in biblical knowledge and just um, intimacy with the Lord. For someone that does work maybe um, two jobs or one job that's very strenuous or works third shift, wherever they work, how would you encourage people to worship at their jobs? Um, first of all, I would encourage them to make time in their schedule to be part of a group of believers that are applying their minds, which is an incredible gift, to understanding who God is in his written word. So, you know, one of the things at New Life is we press heavy on small groups. Make time to be a part of a small group. Um, you know, I've, I've really learned that if I want something bad enough, I will make it happen. You know, I'm a big fan of various foods and one of my favorite foods is the Rick O'Benny steak sandwich oh that's a good yeah. steak sandwich and it's at 26th and Wells Street please Not sponsor what us I would please say. sponsor us between please. Twinkies from please. last oh, episode and Rico Benny's we should be well off if can we I just say sponsors. this can I just say this went home week after we talked about that what was on top of my fridge Twinkies it's happening people hey, it's <laughs> God works in mysterious <laughs> ways. <laughs> Anyways, recommend. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, I will find a way to get to Rick O'Benny's once every other month. Mm. So I know that if there's something that I want, I will push to get it. Mm. And I have to resist the lie that I will tell myself is that I don't have time for something that I know is good and the reason i'm choosing not to do it whether i want to believe it or not is because i'm not convinced it's going to pay off Oof. when i pick when i get a rick benny sandwich steak sandwich i know it's going to pay off <laughs> so i go multiple payoffs especially in the <laughs> toilet afterwards <laughs> oh my <laughs> lord <laughs> God. That's- Hey, so I don't know how to respond to that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we're Christians. We got to be honest. We'll, fi- we'll fix it in post. We'll fix it in post. <laughs> Even the Lord's like, that's a little too vulnerable, man. <laughs> we can, can save that here. for the private time. <laughs> we're raw. We're raw here, Tom. <laughs> Welcome live. to the Deeper Still podcast. <laughs> um, but in their jobs, as they're pursuing the Lord, as they're seeing his glory, they need to. You know, it came up a couple weeks ago when I was talking, we were going through Colossians, and I was talking about how we are to love other people and God's demand for us to love other people. And I thought to myself, you know, Jesus isn't just asking us to try to do a good job of loving other people. He tells us to love other people and strive toward a perfect love. That's I mean, I mean, we could do as many gymnastics as we want, we can't get around it. And I think, how can I do that? How can I do that? Because it is my belief that human beings are largely unworthy of that kind of love. Uh, They are good at taking and very bad at reciprocating. And uh, it came to me in my study that the way that I can do that is by treating people not thinking of how God loves them, but treating them in a way of how I know God treats me. Wow. I know my God's love by his patience, by his kindness, by his willingness to constantly confront me, 
to constantly call me. Um, he has put faithful people in my life. Um, and, you know, it's, it's the commitment at the end of the day to do what is absolutely good in my life that's won me over. So therefore, I think for me to worship is to try to love other people in the same light. Wow, really great. I think that's it. I All think right. it's a good note. Yeah, I think that's a great note to end on. Uh, Dad, I wish we could talk forever on this. Thank you so much for coming, being a part of Deeper Still Podcast. Yeah, thank we, you so we much, We really Tom. appreciate you. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And for Dan and Gabe as well, thank you for being a part of this. Gabe. Also, the listeners, thank you for being a part of this. And can I say this too? Dan and I talked about this. We want these podcasts to be more than just the hour, but rather inspire active conversation. Mm-hmm. So we want these things that we talk about to exist past the podcast. So if you ever see us or um, my dad at any point, that idea of bringing that up, or even people that haven't heard this podcast, bringing up these conversations, talking through this stuff, understanding it more, um, I think it's really amazing. So again, thank you so much for listening. And also remember to check out deeperstillgathering.com for more info on how you could get involved and where we'll be meeting. Not this month, but the next month. And we hope to see you there. And remember, worship, worship, worship everywhere. everywhere. Okay. Oh, you know, hey, you missed it. So All right, here we go. So you gotta, you gotta signal us in. Okay, 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 okay. Ready? One, Dad, you want to say this with? Okay. One, two, three. Worship, worship everywhere. 